Welcome to the Spire Director's Commentary Podcast, recorded by Grant Howitt and Chris Taylor. Following a successful Kickstarter campaign, we agreed to record commentary for each chapter of the Spire RPG, a fantasy punk game about insurrection, oppression, and horror, and release it to our backers. We wanted to talk about the decisions that led us to design Spire the way we did and show our working as best as possible. What you are about to listen to is a podcast made up of those files, arranged into blocks an hour or so long. We encourage you to start from episode one and move forward from there. Districts and factions of order. Order is... Order's been something which we struggle with a little bit because it mainly just felt like something there had to be. Yeah, just like, we need an antagonist faction. Uh, mm. The order, the yeah, yeah. laws, etc. Yeah, and so we we did a bit of a... We, we, we wrote a lot of the other sections of the game and like we, we imagined into, into being, I suppose, the other sections of the game first. And this was very loose... Um, but the the main thing which developed is the city guard, and I've got to say, I really love uh, Adrian's outfits for the city guard. Yeah, yeah their the uniforms well, are wonderful. They're well dishonoured, mate. <laughs> I really like I really like what we've done with that, and also the fact that they've all got cool haircuts. Yes, but um, we wanted to make them a bit more human, so to speak. So to speak, we wanted to make them unlike as I think that I imagine there are a few human city guard, but we, we wanted to make the guard. We want to humanize. We wanted we want to make them people. So like the majority of the city guard are probably someone you know, or someone who like like you know their mum. Yeah. Um, if they're in a neighborhood, I think it was it was that it was that twist which made which made them more interesting to me. Because it's not just some faceless mook; it's your mum's friend's son, and that for yeah. me that that for me pre- presents a bit more of a challenge. Because, like, we did sort of originally have them as as faceless mm. judges, essentially. Yeah, um, and that that just didn't work. Well, and I think like, we've got the paladins for that. We've got yeah. like there's more than enough sort of. Um, conservative state badasses to put in here and certainly like if you want the guards to be absolute badasses and absolute like you know cruel unthinking absolutely fine you can do that um but there's i think there's it's a bit more fun to have them run off and cry when they get hurt because that's what people do <laughs> and that interests me and like and also like the the laws of spire we mention in here like the what do we have here what's the what's the name of the thing uh, a, a warrior, poet, and a calligrapher attorney, who are two who were at one point married and wrote the laws, um, and now they use the legal charter of the city as a battleground for their old disputes, just to sort of get around the fact that we didn't want to write down every single law of Spire, which would have been tedious to read. Yeah, and not to mention write. Yeah. So, so we, uh, so basically, if if the Elfia wants them to wants something to be illegal, it's illegal. They can always find a reason to arrest you. It's more yeah. about it's more about keeping your head down. And like we've brought up specific laws when they matter, like the fact that mm. Knights of the North Docks are allowed to carry bladed weapons. Yeah, D six weapons are illegal. D six and up. Yep. Um, I think that like it's it's a pretty broad category to have that, but I think that lets us because it's it's always kind of challenging as well, like having having weapons in a city, like whenever you play a traditional game of, of a traditional role playing game that isn't Spire, and so it was fun to have like okay, you can carry D three weapons, you can carry weapons which are considered civilian, mm. uh, and like I suppose in 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 the terms I'm thinking, that's the sort of things which we in England uh, could own. Like we can have, we we can own bats and knives and stuff. And if it's a if it's a proper if it's a whacking great sword or a rifle, then you need a license for that, or you're just simply not allowed. Yeah, and that seemed like the easiest way to do it. Plus, um, it gives you more opportunities for clandestine weapon shipping and acquiring yes. those armaments, etc. Yeah, I think my my favorite fact about that is it was it was in the uh, in the Russian uh, during the Russian Revolution they became famous for for carrying sword off rifles. <laughs> um, because, because like a like rifles are fairly easy to make and manufacture, and there's a lot of them after they because they get given out to the military. Um, but they're huge, uh, and so you can't really sneak them around. And not carbines, but sawn-off rifles, which you can barely aim. And I really like sawn-off rifles as a concept. Ever since God, what was it, Helsing? 
Everyone yeah. else sing? That guy had had um, pistol grip M1 Garands, which is a that's the World War Two infantry weapon. I want to yeah. say for the Americans. I think so. Anyway, yeah. we'll get we're getting a bit gun nerds here. We've got the notable locations as well. We had Valoran Standard, um, which has been knocking around for ages, and then we figured they probably need to have some other ones. <laughs> yes, um, and we and like with these. Um, Something which we haven't done too often uh, in in the uh, in the adventure in the adventure in the fiction setting. I think with the fiction setting, what I wanted to do was create something which the reader could could relax into and absorb, and then make up their own stuff based on that. Yeah. Uh, whereas in this notable locations bit under the guard, um, we've got we've gone for a bit more like here's a plot. Yeah, and I mean, once you've read a couple of them, then you can create your own yeah for on sure. theme locations. I'm also like interested. I'm also like I'm I'm thankful that you let me get the high moon gag through. <laughs> in that um, high moon uh, are full of uh, gun toting officers in the works, and uh, it just sounds like high noon. But I think, for some... was, I think it was fine. Well, thank you, but like this is the sort of thing which you're there to catch. Yeah, no, that's, but I, I that's in the book. It. Okay, <laughs> talk to us about the hive. So the hive is the main jail. It's named after our university's cafe. Yes, <laughs> uh, coincidentally, um, is the main jail for for Spire, and it's for the for the true dangerous criminals. Yeah, but also for for the sort of criminals that they want to interrogate and experiment on. Mm. Um. Think of it like uh, Arkham Asylum in Batman. Yeah, but darker. But darker, and with the ability to eject cells. <laughs> yeah, you can just eject the cells and they'll fall down a couple of hundred stories. They just drop hundreds of stories down li- into the like, corpse pits. I like to imagine that like, like they, they definitely haven't done that for like 30 years. And so no. there's, there's a lot of people that have built their houses underneath. Yeah, uh, but it's, they still have the option. Yeah. Um, so it's for the very, very dangerous people. So, like, um, if they capture blood witches and want to yeah. study them, that's where they'll put them. Uh, null demonologists. Null demonologists, um, that sort of thing. A rogue warrior poet, that sort of thing. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to do a campaign based around a certain person having skills or knowledge, you need stick mm. them in the hive, and you've got yourself yeah. a, a jailbreak situation. Because all you need to do is, is, is like get in and fit parachutes to the top. Yeah, just eject it and ride it down. That'd be kind of neat, actually. That would be amazing. But yeah, we um we didn't we didn't want to. I think the city guard. We wanted to give them the option of being human, but we didn't want them to be like power players. I suppose no. almost have almost have them as more of an environmental threat. Yeah, for sure. Mm. However, on the subject of power players, the <laughs> army. Yes, the army is a power player. The first thing we came up with was General Snow on Stone, and I'm really glad with the art. We that's, that's in fact that's I think one of the only art we sent back for a full revision in pieces of art. It did look like a spaceman. It looked like it looked really cool, but it looked a bit like yeah. Boba Fett, and we were like, "Ah, oh, it's Boba Fett. That's not really General Snow on Stone." Um, I like the fact that General Snow on Stone. I'm not sure what they are. No, they're um, they they are they say they're an Elphir, and I think I think. I like to think they're a clockwork robot <laughs> in big stone armor, but I, I don't know what they are. No, they're, they're the general, and they're weird, and they're very good at their job. Yes, very much so. Um, I I can't honestly imagine having a campaign which hits the level where you get to fuck around with snow and stone. No, but like I felt the the defense force needed a leader. Yeah, it needed, it, it, it needed a high point of command for the armies and for if you want to do military style campaigns yeah. you need somebody to almost be afraid of at the top yeah for sure and it's useful to have a human face or a mask in this case yeah. <laughs> or a completely uh, dehumanized face yeah a, a completely dehumanized face um and we, we we go on and we mention some some, some of the different units um like we the idea is that the elfia themselves are fairly rare um uh, like you're you're unlikely to see more than a hundred elfia in the same place mm. Um, and instead, like they do, they have a great deal of like indentured servants uh, for drow and hired um, human mercenaries called Jaegers, Jaeger um, mercenaries. who who are good at their job. 
and 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 and, and go and shoot things. And that's kind of that's that's the majority of those, and they're and they're all fighting off to the south. Uh, we wanted those we wanted those battles to the south to exist, but not to have too much time spent on them because that's not what the game's about. Yeah, uh, we, didn't, we didn't want to draw focus. Yeah, we are interested in writing about that at some point in the future because I think there's some really fun stories to be told there. Yeah. Um, but instead, we uh, we we've, we've sort of had we we wanted to think more of like how can this influence the city? What sort of or like. If you get out of the military, what's following you into the city? Hence the Special Tactics Corps. <laughs> yes, with their conduits. Um, uh, I, I shorten that to Spectac, <laughs> which which you don't like. I hate. No, I but hate they, they, Yeah, they have conduits. As you mentioned in the um, in the academia section, the the the, the Spectac uh, do um, do demonology. They have a they they, they have warrior poets. Which are the? I think it's the highest rank you can get uh, before general. Or actually, it's more like it's more like Jedi, I guess. Yeah, that's probably a better way of looking at it. Um, in that you have you have the Imperial forces, and then you've got these robed space wizards who rock up and get to tell people what to do. And warrior poets are it's from another game of mine, Warrior Poet, um, which I think legally takes place in the same universe. I think all my games take place in the same universe. <laughs> Goblin Quest off to one corner. Yeah, definitely. Goblin Quest's down there. there. There's a war. There's orcs somewhere on this planet. Um, but uh, Warrior Poet is a game. It's a game where the main mechanic is competitive haiku writing, which makes it. That's a very niche audience. <laughs> I'm sure it's very good, but I can't write haikus. So. No, it's fair. Yeah, um, especially not on the fly competitively. And so um, the the Warrior Poets are kind of these mystics who are who have a great power. In Elfie society, um, they have scalds, and so like scalds are trainee warrior poets, which are, I think, I'm going to say 95% just war dancers from Warhammer. Yeah, they're alarmingly close. But but I mean, like Warhammer nicked it from the Celts, so yeah. we're fine, <laughs> yes. we're okay. Um, that's that's your sort of we're your sort legally of, distinct. Yeah, like your posh, rough, drug taken. Guys with scarves who eviscerate people, <laughs> um, and they uh, these warrior poets know the trick of singing a demon a, 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 a demonological mimetic virus into you, uh, and then use you as a conduit for a bomb, like the powers we talked about when we spoke about the extra advances. Mm. Yeah, uh, the uh, the the sight and conduit, and like. The conduit is the conduits are interesting. Like I can see them being used against you. I'm, I'd be very interested in having players use them. Yes. Like um, and like there are rules for doing that in in the Black Magic supplement. Um, mainly because like it's not the sort of thing I'd recommend that a group does just from like a like a moral point of view. Yes. No. It is. <laughs> it is very white phosphorus. Um, yeah. Very much. Uh, like 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 white phosphorus, but also it drives you mad. Yeah. It's a war crime. It's a war crime. Um, and I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> very well. What about the council, though? So the council are very interesting because that's the kind of top tier, taking back the spire mm. level you can reach. Your um, objective, as it were. Yeah, in the kind of if you imagine the base arc of a spire campaign, it is mm. take on lower districts, move up the spire, eventually do something with the council. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of the meta plot mm. for it. I mean, most campaigns won't do that. No. They'll, fo- they'll the, be more focused. It'll be like, take down this, this particular thing. But I like, I like certainly thinking like of, 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 tying, of, like of tying an adventure to someone on the council. Yes. And yeah, then and like, 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 wh- like whether or not they know that they're doing it, it's like they're responsible for these actions. So when when you when you take someone down, you can then work out who they replaced it with, who that upsets, etc. Yeah. Um, so it's one of the few places where we've detailed every member of a faction. Yeah, I think every single one of them is part of a conspiracy. Yes, they are. Um, aside from the midwife, who is <laughs> who is there as a token? <laughs> um, yeah. And doesn't have a lot of power, but I, I I love that she's I love that she's there that, and the human, yeah, as uh, well. Drin Castleman yep. Drin, to give it some sort of 
multicultural feel, but yeah, for sure, like obligation, like a to- yeah, a token than, yeah. multicultural feel, and, and like like the, the like Druin's brought his way onto the council, and um, the Drow, uh, Madame Feyaring, has no power whatsoever, and is simply to say, look, we have, we've, we, you're on the council, how nice are we? Yeah, and it's just to placate the Drow, um, but oh. I like to think that she, that she does have some power in the background. Yeah, I mean, like she, she she's one of the most powerful Drow in Spire. Um, oh, for if, sure. like, but like, I think, I think, like, what, what her, what the interaction would be with her is convincing her to do that, and yes, using, it's... using her for access, you like, like, getting her to take advantage of that. Yeah, and maybe changing the way she votes rather than potentially voting out of fear and just going along with things, like, so yeah, stand sure. up and say no. Yeah, I think um, my, I got to give my favorite piece of art direction in this. Um, which is on the on the bottom right. There is the warrior poet uh, Captain Wanda the Lost, mm-hmm. um, who is a who is a hopelessly depressed uh, warrior poet and has become hooked on blue, the drug which makes Elphir capable of feeling sadness. And I got I got to give Adrian Stone uh, the the, uh, the the art direction. It was like I want you to do like a, a wizard, but very glam and Napoleonic. Just, and just he did that. He did perfect. that. Yeah, pretty glam. I like it. Mm. Um, I, I really like one of the lost as far as characters go because like there's there's a real easy hook there. Yeah, yeah. When you've got somebody who's a drug addict, like like um, they're not one of the lost doesn't have a conspiracy behind them. Uh, I think I think almost everyone else does. Like like they're, like they're infected with um, tiny parasitic spores, or they're um, they're uh, dedicated to an to an evil murder cult. Or they're in fact running Red Row, that sort of thing. But like, uh, yeah, Captain Wonder Lost just really sad. Yeah, but the interesting thing is that we've kind of accidentally given him plots in some of the. That it's, it's them. Them. Yeah. Uh, plots in the Kings of Silver mm. uh, adventure line by having their sister as 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 a, as a major player, as a major player, and as a yeah. political wannabe. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's an interesting um, challenge. Like I, we were chatting with this uh, off, we're chatting about this off air um, earlier this week. Like because Spire changes, there's a desire to sort of update the the council or update the goings on with every new thing we write. Mm. And so, like on one hand, that's really cool. But on the other hand, I don't want to. We don't want to invalidate the previous stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, but there. nor do I want to have it to stay precisely as it is. I think that there's like there's some fun, there's there's something to be found there. Yeah, and I think things like uh, adventure supplements are a good place to change that. Mm. Yeah, I also just before we end this chapter, I want to talk about the original spire because this is snuck into the order section. Yeah, um, the idea that the spire is organic. Is something which we've been playing with for a while, and like a lot of stuff, we're not prepared to say whether it's real or not because we don't know. <laughs> but the idea that I, I I certainly have it in in that the spire grows and regrows and heals wounds, but at the at the rate of decades. Yeah, um, it's it's like it's, it's tectonic grade. You know, we're, we're talking hundreds of years, and I really like how I like how weird that is. Yes. I like how unpleasant the idea is that the walls are alive, but like the city's so big and alive, you're living in it, and it like you're like a parasite to it. You're like yeah. an infection, and it's because the the council is in one of the true original parts of the spire. Yeah, they they don't have anything built around it. It's just the as as, as it's described here, the original bone rock of spire. Yeah. And again, super vague about what that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yep, try and say as vague as possible. On yeah, things. definitely evocative. That's the word I like. Oh, to that's use. the not, word. Yeah, not, not vague. vague. Evocative. Sorry. My bad. Let's move on to religion. Let's go to religion. This is the longest section of the book. Like this is, big this is significantly longer than the combat section. <laughs> yes. This is this is religion. Welcome to it. Um, Chris and I think religion is cool. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, key, and a key part of Spire. Of Spire. So we just jammed as much of it as we could into Spire. Uh, and like I think like there's something this 
for me, when you look at fantasy and you look at you look at when there's cities, there's religion. Yeah. Um, because like religion allows people to come together um, under a united banner, and then from that you develop economies of scale, and also you develop. Um, we should build a giant big thing to make God happy, and <laughs> and, to, and 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 to scare the other non-believers. And so you end up with cathedrals, and you end up with like I, I again not not a huge fan of religion um, in the flesh, but I do like a cathedral. Oh yes. Or a basilica. Absolutely adore that. And so we went, we went hog wild with the religion. We, 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 we tripled down, if you can yeah. do such a thing. And let's start off with our glorious lady, which was the, uh, which was the first, sorry, the second god we came up with. Uh, it was the, t- uh, the Temple Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The right hand temple. those old names. Yes, our glorious lady. Talk to us about that, Chris. So this is the, very much the home of of the ministry and nope. of nope is it not that's uh, that's our hidden mistress which is underneath the oh right okay yeah sure Karen. okay <coughs> sorry I, I, thought, I thought well it's not start again my apologies okay so the cathedral of agora's lady is is very much the home of the ministry which is hidden underneath right but the cathedral itself gets some space because we yeah. needed to talk about the the religion yeah, rather like, than the, like, the conspiracy and like the allowed religion of our glorious lady. Yeah, yeah, because the Elfir have decreed that certain religions are verboten. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe is... I believe there are eleven, and we've detailed four, <laughs> as I want. Yep, um, and this gave us some space to really talk about that and to focus on how the cathedral itself runs. Yeah. And like and and how how it's adapted and, and and another thing which I'm really into I'm not sure whether Chris is is things built on top of other things yeah and whether that's um, like stuff actually built on top or built around or like built on the ruins of something else I always thought that was incredible like to have visible history in your in your buildings mm. and like sort of make do and mend and um, jury rig stuff always fascinated me and so we made the cathedral really run down. Mainly because the Elfia have been um, throttling the uh, the money to repair it, so there's still a large drow faction who worship here, but they don't have the money to keep this huge like what what would have been the greatest cathedral uh, in all of I suppose Drowry, yeah, Drowdom. <laughs> Drowdom, what would have been the greatest cathedral in all of the in, in all of the Drow nations, has now just crumbled down and has been built and rebuilt, and so it's like everything else in Spire. It's now a nightmare labyrinth, patched together nonsense. Yeah, um, and having the 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 reclaimers, the, sorry, the, the maintainers who go out and nick it. Yeah, you were, you were saying you wanted to talk about the art. So I love this piece of art because it first off it shows off how run down and scaffolding clad. Mm the cathedral is but also it it's the inside of another picture <laughs> because oh, this, the picture inside of from, this picture is in from Der- derelictus picture from the other side okay that's kind of nice so so it's it's not technically of the place but it shows you how it works yeah and it yeah. shows like the derelictus picture shows you how dominating the cathedral is mm. um and how important it is mm um, and this picture then shows you that that enormous facade, yeah, is home to what looks like a tumble dryer. It's got, it's got it's like <laughs> they're, they're pumping something out, and they've got a load of books there all yeah. around the statue. Um, I also like while while we're here, I want to talk about the six dark elf virtues. Please do. Now these uh, these were an attempt I had at stats a long time ago. Yeah. Because um, like we've 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 cut stats from the game. We used to have them, um, you know, in like iterations seven, eight, and nine, or what have you. Um, and I, rather than having strength, dexterity, to, you know, constitution, your standard six D and D ones, I wanted to have different stats to tell different stories. Yeah. And the, like like the main one I had was grace. If there's one thing that elves are, it's graceful, in that in that they move smoothly and accurately. And I wanted to toy with the idea of grace, and then sort of like from that we span out a few more, and and like and eventually, eventually we, we I came to tenacity, 
community, grace, vigilance, sagacity, and fury in an attempt to have these aren't strictly humans. Yes, you're dealing with their codes are different. Yeah, they're human-like, and hopefully this is something which you can inhabit as a, as a person, and will give you the tools you need to get into it. And also, if you just want to play them as normal humans with normal human virtue, as it were, or human, but it's like a, a, a traditional set of virtues which you understand, that's just going to work fine. Mm. And yeah, they didn't they didn't work as stats, but we've divided them up between the goddesses in terms of like in terms of which the um, trinity focus on. And I think that they've worked very well to sort of weird it up a bit. Yeah, and also, I mean, they'll come into play later with mm, mystery. Yes. Um, and so they served more purpose than being thrown on the side, like so yeah. much of our other rules. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I think if if, if we ever get anything which really works, it sticks around. Yeah, it and sticks around not, for a very like, long time. Not in terms of, like, really works in terms of mechanics, but... With the Dark Elf Virtues, we both we both agreed that, oh, there's something evocative there. There's mm-hmm. something cool there. What are we going to do with them? Um, and, like, there's like there's lots of things um, where we've folded them back in or we've taken them and we've, we've uh, cut bits out, we've added bits in, just to sort of make everything plug together. And we've, we've I suppose they're darlings, in a way, which we haven't killed. I, and... I guess, but when they work, they work. Yeah, I'm also not entirely down with the idea of killing my darlings because I really like my darlings. Hence, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, precisely. Hence them being my darlings. I think that there's a, <clears throat> in terms of writing, I think you know if we're talking about the craft here, we, we should probably mention this. Um, I've never quite been down with the idea of killing my darlings because I think there's something in that which goes into the. Uh, it's quite a brisk. Um, Sharp way of writing, and it encourages, and it's 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 like it's like the sort of oh, I turn to my desk every day, and I drink three pints of coffee, and eat a pack of cigarettes, and I write I, I write eight hours a day, and I have a half hour break to go and yell at a dog for lunch, and it's that that sort of that sort of um, grinding out the work, um, and there's something fairly joyless about that, and like I think that's great if you're if, if you're Stephen King. And you're turning out enormous books yeah. with, like, with an eye to a broad audience. And fourteen but, books a year. Yeah, precisely. Whereas I, I quite like taking great pleasure in this stuff, and and like to write in a to to sort of come at it from an idea of poetry in a way. In like the core idea of poetry is not to be about something, but to make beautiful words hang out together. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can take concepts and make beautiful concepts hang out together and put nice words around them and have nice turns of phrase. And like, if, if the rest of the book moves on and that turn of phrase really can't survive, then fine, kill, kill it, get rid of it. But I don't think that you should be as harsh as perhaps some people tell you to be. You should be prepared to kill your darlings. Yeah, like nothing is sacred, I think, is there. Like, like there, there should be nothing that you can't remove. Yeah. Um, everything, what's, what's the... Um, the the advice in Apocalypse will drive your NPCs like stolen cars. Mm, yeah, um, like not nothing nothing is too big to be removed. Uh, and like, I think we, I think there's a few constants which we now couldn't pull out of Spire. <laughs> Looking yeah. back on it, like I, I wouldn't like the ch- the churches, the setups. Anyway, moving on, Hallows, Hallows or Saints of mm. the of our glorious Lady, including mm. an Elfer. Yeah. Hello, is... ha- hello, hearts, breath halting. Yeah. Now I, I have a problem with hellos. Yes, you do. Because it sounds like hello, and so hello D sounds a bit like hello Kitty, in or like hello, like hello Amber, hello Kitty, hello. And now Hippo. everybody listening to this can't get that out of their head, and you've ruined well, it for them. Well, maybe they'd are, maybe they already thought that. No, it was just you. <laughs> I think I think that um, it. Distance, distance away from saints. Yes, a little bit. Um, and I, I, I like the idea. Again, I mentioned earlier that you know this, that I, I was looking into. Um, we, I went to Italy and was looking at like the band worship of saints, and I like the idea that these are banned, yes. and so like and so that you'll have private shrines to these at home. Uh, but also, like, really easy for the GM to come up with some more. Oh, hundred percent. Oh, piss easy. If you just want to make it all about saints. Oh, what about a game where we all played the reincarnations of saints? Right. That'd be cool. That'd be solid. Oh, nice. And it was a nice place for us to drop in just some extra advances. Just 
Just yeah. plonk them in. Just like, I think it's the only bit where there's rules in, yeah. <laughs> in the fiction guide. Um, but it's like, it's that, as with, as like, so we, we've been writing High Society and we've been interested in getting rules, but also like getting the fiction across. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we wanted to have those both. So, so like, rather than listing Hallow D and everything that Hallow D did, or Hallow Hearts Breath Halting, to have a paragraph about them and, then a, and an almost an equal sized paragraph of rules. Because really, really, if you give people rules, that's ten times as useful as fiction. Yeah, and it because they can a take lot that about, precisely about the the hallow themselves as yeah. how how their blessings manifest. Yeah, and like why why this is important to to the drow, why this is important to uh to the to the Vlajan and the priests of our glorious lady, and we can say that in mechanical terms which is the way in which you can understand the world. And that was really important to us. Yeah. Now, the longest section in the book, The Ministry <laughs> of Our Hidden Mistress. The the important bit. Yes. The paramilitary cult of murderers, uh, seditionists, and liars, who you have sworn allegiance to before the game starts. Or potentially in your prologue. Or, or first, potentially, first yeah. Game. But it is assumed that everyone has joined the Hidden Mistress. And I, I'm quite happy about about the naming strictures. Um, yes, like, I think like our our glorious lady was kind of a placeholder, or it was something else that they called her, and that slowly fell in just to be what they called her. I think the actual name is uh, Limier. Limier, Lombre, and Le Collet. Yeah, um, or Light Shadow, and um, I believe it's Fire or Rage. I forget what the translation of Le Collet is. Yeah. Um, but the mystery of our hidden mistress is a is a is a rebellion organization, a rebellious organization who is 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 entirely legal to join. And I think you can definitely see our like as I mentioned earlier, many episodes ago in this um, commentary, you can see the influence of dark heresy and the Inquisition as a as a. Uh, inspiring factor for me because the cell structure is very similar to Inquisition cell structure. Yeah. Uh, I think we tried to have a bit more... um, We tried to make them a bit less outright evil than than the Inquisition in 40k because they're not the good guys. There aren't any good guys in 40k. Yeah, I mean, the solution in this is not always burn it to the ground. Yes, Sometimes you can use it. Yes, and like, and that's the thing. Like, like it, that depends on the Inquisition member as well. I don't, I don't, yeah. don't want to, want to run roughshod over the fluff of Warhammer. Hallowed be its name, but um, we wanted, to, we wanted to get a bit more focused as well. Like this is this this is a cult within a city rather than a galaxy spanning organization. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the art here. Okay. They are on page a hundred and oh, we actually don't know what page it'll be on, but the art of uh, the art of the of the shrine of our hidden mistress. He uh, Adrian has absolutely nailed it. Absolutely gorgeous. I adore this, and I love the way that you that you make a shrine to our, to, to the hidden mistress by making your own murder board with red string. Yep. Like it's it's like like the sort of it was film uh, a glorious mind, uh, in which. Um, What's his name? Australian guy. Big lad. Uh, Gladiator. Are you sure it was called a glorious mind? Brilliant mind? A beautiful mind. Beautiful mind. There we go. Beautiful are. mind. Um, that's the one. A beautiful mind. What's his name, though? Russell, Russell Crowe. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, Russell Crowe um, isn't quite right in the head and uh, is, uh, is, is is delusional and makes this, makes this huge conspiracy board. And I saw that and was like, I want that. <laughs> one, please. <laughs> I'll, I'll have that, please. And just the idea that the idea that this isn't sane, what you're doing, this isn't sensible. No, I was reading a um, I was reading a piece on uh, rock, pa- rock paper shotgun. This is relevant, I promise you. Um, <laughs> over the last couple of days, uh, it was an interview with Mike Pondsmith, the guy who developed Cyberpunk, uh, the, you know, the, the role playing game Cyberpunk 2020, and he's and he's involved as a as a consultant on the on the Project Red. The new game which is coming out, and someone has described uh, someone described our game as very, it's feeling very cyberpunk. And one of the things about cyberpunk is that they're generally the heroes who get into it. I say heroes, the anti-heroes, you know, the protagonists. They're on, they're onto a losing battle. Like they generally can't do the thing they're setting out to do. It's like they they take on huge and insurmountable problems which they know they can't solve. 
And I think the, the ministry of our hidden mistress has done that. Yeah. And the fact that, that like the fact that their that their shrines are murder boards is like actually this isn't something which a normal person is going to do. This isn't a sensible and sane decision to make to join this. You're no, not th- normal. This will lead to your death. Yeah, you will die for this at some point or another. You will die, and it will be because of this. If you're if you're not you know like you you will not die in your bed as it were. Yeah. Recruitment. This is this is another bit where I wrote stuff and Chris didn't stop me. Paul. <laughs> Actually, no. Sorry, that isn't true. Um, Chris wrote down the ideas for the initiation, uh, and then and, and then I span them out. Yeah, and the initiation is is wonderful because if you want to, you can have your players answer these questions that each of the rights poses yeah. before the game, and it can really inform your campaign. Yeah, like I mean, just um, take the first one: the right of tenacity. What thought kept you alive down amid the dead? Yeah. And like, like what's there's... the one burning thing that kept you alive? Was it the fight against Elphir? Probably not. Mm. And that's that's along with the bonds. I think that's kind of a really fun first session to have to have that that session zero where you do the bonds, but also you do the initiation and you do like, well, where did you meet? Like, have you met before? Have you met during the initiation? Do you know each other? And to explore what their what their bonds are, and then so like. We've we've mainly been like the the way we've mainly played Spire up until now is that like uh, certainly for the last uh, eight months six months we've been like we take the um, playtested adventures or the 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 sample adventures which we write up and then playtest them through to make sure they work. Yeah. Whereas the like the traditional way which I run a campaign and one which um one which I which which is what I do if I ran a game with Spire now would be to sit down with the players say well what what characters are you interested in playing here's a story I'm interested in telling work together with them uh, to work out what their bonds are uh, who they're interested in fighting what sort what sort of stories they're interested in telling and go through like the initiation rights and the bonds with them and then at the end of session zero then I know what I'm doing. Then yeah. I know what the conspiracy is, and the players have informed that, and these are really useful for that. Yeah, I, I, I'm huge, huge, huge fan of these mm. all the way through. Yeah, and I think like we have a certainly for Chris and I, we have a desire. A I think there's, there's almost a slight level of um, nervousness in that we want it. That we, we want to finish campaigns. In the, yes, we never wanted it, to be halfway through. No, because like I've 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 had more campaigns sputter out than I have complete. Yeah, and like not like, not just running, but also being in. Most campaigns that I've been in have just stopped rather than rather than coming to a satisfying conclusion. And that's a common way in which in which the in which role playing games sputter out. Um, and I think that so. And if you look at Unbound, the previous game which we released, that's specifically designed to run uh, four to six sessions. Uh, like short arcs, and then you explicitly stop that, make new characters in the same world and carry on exploring. Yeah, and I think that because Chris and I, and like I'm getting better at it, I'm I'm learning to trust to myself and learning to trust my own jamming and learning to trust that my players are having a good time and I'm having a good time. Um, when I play Spire, I wouldn't focus on like on the initiation. On the on the community aspect, I'd, I'd have it come fast and hard and make everything happen all at once. And not give the players time to breathe. So like, so, so the role was like the role was engaged and the role was under pressure. And then because you can't maintain that level of intensity, stop it after five or six games. And I think that if you want to have a year long game of Spire, you really fucking could. Yeah. Um. Like you certainly wouldn't have the same crew at the start as you would at the end because people are going to die. It is brutal game. Yeah, um, you're actually you you were you're running a, a playtest where your players had their first proper fight. Had their first proper fight, and two people went down. One, <laughs> one in the position of being dead. Yeah, yeah, but was th- thankfully saved by uh, a god of nihilism. nihilism yeah. so you're fine. Yeah, didn't come out any better, but still, no. but alive legally. But like that was a couple of chaps with some planks of wood. <laughs> like that wasn't yeah. a trained military. <laughs> yeah, um, it's. 
I think I, I, I certainly think there's, there's the capacity to have a longer Spire game, and it's going to come out of community. It's going to come out of NPCs having problems needing you to solve. It's going to come out of recruitment efforts. It's going to come out of um, having these bonds and almost like leveling up these bonds and combining bonds so you can do greater and greater things. Yeah, having the story feedback. One of the, one of the big things to remember is that you can combine bonds. I don't think we yes. mentioned it when we're in there. Is that when if you've got two bonds of the same level in the same area, you can combine them together to make a street level one. Yes. And the idea is that you can then go all the way up to city-level bonds. Mm. Having the same people, as it were, as they get more important. Yeah. And city-level bonds are incredibly strong. No, they, can, they, they just do the thing. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing I would like to talk about that's in this initiation section is the yeah, hierarchy sure. of the mystery, uh, the ministry of a hidden mistress. Oh, yeah, yeah. This came about because somebody on the Discord asked us, what's the hierarchy of the It was. Of, of it the was... It was Chad, actually. It was the guy who wrote the uh, the book about the ministry. Oh, yeah. It was Chad Walker, author of Cryptomancer, who did us a splat book, very kindly. And uh, we didn't know. <gasps> we had, had no idea. We, we, had, we had Minister, because we thought... And, again, coming from our standard naming... Um, um, what's the word? Conventions. I thought Minister sounded really cool. Yep. Or like, or like saying, fuck, it's the ministry. That sounded like a really good thing for a baddie to say. Yeah. Um, and we had Magister as the one that was uh, above cell, you. Yeah, your cell, not leader, but um, coordinator. And then we had nothing else. Yeah, so that's where the Exarch, Oracles, Weaver, and the Mistress then came from. It was really fun because they get they make less and less sense the more you go up. Yeah, they're more indistinct and more plot pointy as you go up. Yeah, um, I, I think we had. Um, I think I took out. I'm not sure whether it's still in the book. I don't really have time to read it now. But um, I put in some theories as to, as to who the mistress was. Mm, I don't I, think they're still in here. I quite like the idea that well, I think we had I, either it's the goddess herself or it's an Elphir. Yeah. Like, it's an Elphir who's really pissed off with the other Elphir. <laughs> and you're just another scheme for them. Yeah. Which, but, like, that would be sickening to discover that. Yeah, absolutely horrendous. And like, I'm, I'm not sure I'd want to pull that, like, pull that rug out from under the players. But again, kind of cool to be like, uh, like, like to get like, to get to the level of the mistress, and like everything else, inspire just a person. Yeah, or, like probably a wizard, but just a person. So you strangle them, and now you have to act as them and run the ministry. <laughs> or even like you, you've been called to meet the mistress. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, you just head to the council chambers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Oh, that'd be pretty grim, wouldn't it? <laughs> you see, that's, that's, that's the sort of thing... Like, the, the other interesting thing uh, about this is that Chris and I don't like games with betrayal in. I don't mind NPCs betraying you, but I hate it when PCs betray each other. Yeah. Or like, or like when you... Like, when, like, like who can we really trust? Oh, come on, let's just trust each other. Yeah, that sounds like fun. And generally, um, like, that's why you might know the game doesn't really have rules for PvP in it. No. You, there's no rules for hurting other players because, like, don't... Just don't. It's not eh? worth it. It's not a game about that. Just yeah. get on, eh? And I'm sure you could hack some together. It wouldn't be too hard. Yeah, um, you can still screw each other over. Yeah, for uh, sure. That's fine. But you can't directly stab another person because it's well, too. Well, like, like I, I think it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be too hard to sort. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But we we haven't put rules in because we're not interested in telling that story. Um, and I could see a different group of people writing this game with definitely having that. Yeah. Like definitely having well, like everyone in this group is an undercover agent for someone for, for someone else. There's an undercover paladin, an undercover um, city guard, an undercover crimson vigilite, and it turns out no one, like everyone here, is is, is an agent provocateur. There's literally nothing to investigate, <laughs> which I like, which is yeah. fun. I've done. Uh, I, I I run paranoia. Because uh, I wrote Paranoia, the most recent edition, and one of my favourite things to do is to is to is to have an, inter- an internal security uh, member making up every single member of the cell, and you don't tell them, and so <laughs> and like the main job of inter- of, of Insec is to encourage uh, traitorous behaviour from people who might otherwise not do it so so they can draw it out and they're all just they all just start just just like very carefully start encouraging everyone into doing traitorous behavior whilst having cut blanche to do it themselves <laughs> just <laughs> tremendous fun anyway that's that's off topic um like i think that there's certainly a, certainly an interesting game you could have like toying around with the hierarchy and like turning the ministry back on itself yeah. that's not a story which i really feel qualified to tell i think 
I don't feel like that's a game which I'd run, and I felt like it was difficult for me to write it. But nevertheless, an interesting avenue for yeah, for sure, yeah. I think like there might be a splat book there. I'm not sure. I want to keep it really weird and vague, though. Yeah, the, the right yeah. amount of vague. Yeah, what's the right amount of vague? I, 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 don't, I don't want to say, okay, here's everyone in the ministry and here's what they're doing. Yeah. And like, I want it to be absolutely confusing and no one knows what's happening. Even, like, like the one thing I've learned growing up is that no one knows what's going on. At any point. Everyone's just making it up as they go along all the time. And I, like... Like even spice. Then <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we could quite happily do a chapter exclusively about the mistress and not say a single fact. That's true. Yeah, just like legends of the mistress. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about the Crimson Vigil. Yeah. Okay. They were they were a late addition to the game, uh, as we mentioned in the Vermissian chapter. They arose out of a station in the Vermissian where they drown people. And then they sort of everything sort of grew out of hand, and now they've really come in. They're one of the major antagonists in the game. Yeah, but they're they're interesting in that they're not necessarily antagonists. No, they want the same thing. Yeah, they want exactly the same thing that you do. However, they're willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah, and also the, I think like just organizationally, they're less subtle about that. Um, yeah. The minute like like the ministry will like the ministry will sell you out if it works for them by giving you false information and um, having it so they having it so you get captured and then you break and then you give that false information to the enemies and then they take advantage of that and the crimson vigil will not sell you out but they will equip you and thirty other people with shitty guns and have you charge a guard post. Yep, or they'll give you bombs. Yes, bombs, fire. Um, burning braziers. Um, they have. They have. Uh, we've. Uh, I, I wrote a weapons book for Spire. I, I wrote a, a list of weapons for Spire, which we're chopping up and putting all around the place. And the Vigilites have uh, have prayer cannons, which <laughs> which are really they're really high caliber pistols. Um, and they they have a really distinctive noise, which is kind of like a call to prayer for the vigil. Yeah. And they they uh, they are they are veering towards camp. They are the sledgehammer to the Ministry scalpel. Yes, precisely. Um, I like them. I like playing them. They're really fun because they are like they've evolved into something which is just like you, sh- which you show to the players and going like, well, how are you different? What 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 are you doing which is different from this? And if you're not doing anything that's different, why aren't you on the same side? Yeah, and I mean that's how I, I use them in my games as background more than yeah. foreground. Mm-hmm. As that kind of mirror, like you're, you've you've done terrible things, sure. But mm. You saved these people doing that. Yeah, these people haven't saved those people. They've caused yeah. more problems. Yeah, and we we also got to talk about um, like uh, radicalization. Yeah, uh, because like ostensibly the ministry are in inverted commas the good guys. They're <laughs> yeah. they're they're the protagonists. They're doing bad things for good reasons. And it's difficult because, like, um, uh, zealous uh, religion, radical religion, is the cause for a great deal of terror and sadness and unpleasantness in the real world. And I think we wanted to talk about that a little bit. And I think by portioning that out to the Crimson Vigil, you have the... There's the... The ministry is professional enough and espionage enough that it almost feels like... Uh, almost feels like the state. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's almost like... like, like like the home nations still working to take over Spire in a professional, sneaky way, and the Crimson Vigil is that's along the line of your suicide bombers, yeah. your um, your uh, your mass shootings, your people who have been pushed down on for so long that eventually they break and they want to they want to make an impression anywhere they can. They do it with violence and unpleasantness. And that is, I think, portioning that out to a non-player character, or certainly like a, something which which the player characters can join, but it's not default. Yeah, that, that's it gives us that it's not default. Yeah, it gives us room to talk about that. It gives us room to play with those ideas. This has been quite a long section. Should we should we should we put in a break there? Yeah, let's put in a break there.
Religion Part 2 Pilgrim's Walk et al. Recorded by Grant Howitt and Christopher Taylor. What a lovely intro, Christopher Taylor. Thank you. Pilgrim's Walk. What is it? Where is it? <laughs> Why is it? Who is it? And how is it? Who even knows? We do. Yeah. We wrote it. <laughs> As is anybody reading the book. Um, Pilgrim's Walk is... Man, the wheels are really coming up towards the end of the thing, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) We've done an hour on religion so far. That's true, yeah. Pilgrim's Walk is a kind of grab bag of all of the different religions packed into one area. I think we we wanted a low society religion place. And we also wanted Um, to kind of nail down the cosmopolitan craziness of all these different cultures coming together and all these different religions mingling and offshoots and cults and mm. all sorts the description, of stuff. The description that I give of, of um, Pilgrim's Walk is uh, when, when you walk down Brick Lane in London, every curry house has a dude outside saying, hey, you want some curry? You want to come for some curry? It's good and cheap. I just wanted that, but for gods. Yeah, I mean, it's most summed up with the collection of religions currently active in Pilgrim's Walk, <laughs> where there's just a yeah. huge list yeah, that was fun. I like making up religions. Yeah. The Temple Furious. The Heralds of Mordagon. <laughs> Mondragon, I think, isn't it? No, Mord- Mordagon. Mordagon. Oh, yeah, it is Mordagon. Um, I like the Daitoshian iconoclasts. Thank you very much. It's beautiful to say. Well, like like the pair, the pair of us sat down, I think that was about 20 minutes work, just yelling at each other. <laughs> and then the real thing is, uh, this, here, here's a piece of game design advice. If you do this, make sure to rearrange them, otherwise it will really show. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, if if you just come up, if you just come up with, with a list of, of forty names, then your your thought patterns will show in that. So make sure to rearrange those in some way. Unlike what we did. No, we re- re- we rearranged them. <laughs> Very good. Um, I really love the art of Pilgrim's Walk. Yes, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's um, a bit cyberpunky. Yeah, it is a little bit. It's one of the ones we had to have a few revisions on, because uh, Addy made it much more sci-fi to start with. Um, in fact, like um, Adrian's vision of Spy seems to be much more sci-fi than ours. We communicated to him like it was brutalist, uh, and he and like he's he stepped that up and he's made it like there's a lot of glowing neon and stuff. And so we wanted to we wanted to let him draw what what he saw it as and what and what he wanted to draw. But also, I think there was, there was an element of like, yeah, but it is fantasy though. Yeah, can you put a candle in? Remember, orcs and goblins. Mm. <laughs> right, that well, that was. Um, I really love the Pilgrims' Row. I think, like, I think in in as much as like the heart is a place where the occult can come out of. Yeah, Pilgrims' Walk is a place where you can get any religion you want, and you can buy can almost anything religious you want. Yes, definitely. Like it's a. Uh, it's, it's it seems like a natural place to be. I, I can imagine like. We'd, you could probably get a really interesting firebrand coming out of Pilgrim's Walk. Yeah, like a um, a multi pantheonist leading the fight for the good fight. I think that could be a really pleasant one. Well, there's George. Oh, there's George. Kickstarter backers entry. Yeah, one of the rubes. <laughs> I think there's only two rubes. Oh no, there's there's three rubes in the book. I think. Yeah, and George is George. one of them. And George has yeah. joined every cult on Pilgrim's Row. And he and he knows some things. I yeah. I think I think I, I if, if there's any bit with it, if any bit I'm actually interested in exploring more it's Pilgrim's Walk yeah because there's fun. like the, the whole thing is like a tinderbox there's so much going on and I'm really excited to try and get more weirdness in there get more factions in there I think I think you like you, like you could have an entire game set in Pilgrim's Walk and I'd I'd love to I'd love to play that I think that's the thing about well the thing we tried to do with every district is. Yeah. Just to make it so that you could you could play a whole campaign here and that'd be okay. Yeah, with with a bit of work, yeah. Um, and and then similarly, like, I like having possibly uh, supporting churches the same way you'd support, um, you know, gangs of rebel insurgents, and and taking over Pilgrim's Walk by by being the power behind the th- by being the power behind the throne. Next up, we've got the Solar Basilica. Which is the home of the paladins, and yes. the Elfi religion. Mm. So the Elfi religion, we uh, well, that was. I don't think we really defined that until fairly late on. Uh, we knew it existed, and we knew we wanted a 
something called the Solar Basilica. But then, like, to work out what the... I think we had them kind of, like, as, as like, generic sort of pagan sun cult going on for a while. Yeah. And then we thought we'd slap some faces on the, on the, on the gods, because that's what we're into. And so we have a, we have a four-part seasonal family, as it was. Yeah, because as it were, part, part of that is, is calling back to the fact that the, the Elphir live very differently up in the north. Yeah. Um, so we wanted something that kind of reflected that in their religion mm. and also I think to have it where like to draw some parallels because it's like the light side and dark side of the moon and the blood moon there's similar um, rhythms and um, patterns there sorry facets, facets. yeah certainly um, <clears throat> as far as, as as far as the gods go um, we want to we want to think about like how the Elphir view themselves and how like because you know inevitably all gods are invented by people yeah um and so how the Elphir justify themselves, how the Elphir feel they get their mastery, their beauty, their grace, that sort of thing. And <clears throat> taking these, uh, taking those facets and then embodying them in different gods was kind of fun to do that. I, uh, I think the other thing that is weird about them is the avatars. Yeah. Whereas it, so up, up, up in north, uh, high elves can can summon gods to their bodies and it says here take husbands and wives um take them round the back of the bike sheds if you know what i mean my <laughs> <laughs> eye wink wink yeah we decided not to have that happen in spire because it felt like it felt like that would be the end of every fucking campaign yes <laughs> and also like it seemed it seemed cruel to have the one thing which you couldn't do be incredibly powerful and racially bound. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a hugely fun story we wanted to tell. So instead, we've uh, we've got it. It works up north, and also you know it's probably not actually happening at all. They're probably just taking a load of drugs. But it's super interesting that they can't summon their avatars here in Spire. Yeah, and of course, I mean, and that and that gives you the option, like, to say, oh, it turns out one person can do it. Why is that? What are they doing? Yeah, or you, you know. can explore why they can't, why their mm. gods, if it's real, spire doing something. Yeah, it, uh, a cut off with spire. Yeah, and yet the drow gods will not manifest, but divine magic manifests. Yeah, I think as well. Um, the paladins were the paladins sort of arose naturally because we need we needed some villains we needed some some proper antagonists we needed like, something that could handle the really dangerous the biggest operatives. baddest mofos available yeah and like they've got they've got better armor than everyone in the game they've got better guns than everyone in the game they're the most difficult thing in the city to fight the idea is that you just don't yeah um they are almost entirely overleveled honestly like Honestly, I think a cell would struggle to take down one. Yeah, I mean, as I've described in earlier sections, I've seen parties get dropped by a man with a plank of wood. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's possible, and these people are built from the ground up to kill you. Yeah. Uh, I, we, wanted, we wanted to give GMs the, capa- the capacity just to have, uh, just, just to say no. As it were, and not in a not in a oh well your character wouldn't do that or oh I don't fancy this but just like if if your players turn up if your players cause enough trouble, then the paladins show up and sort things out. Yeah, I mean some severe shadow fallout. A paladin is tasked. Yes, precisely. Um, we've also got the sun on earth, which I forgot we wrote. <laughs> I do like it though. I like it's an extra plot point. They're building a replica sun. Yep. Yeah, bit of fun. Why not? Let's talk about New Heaven. Yes, New Heaven, the home of the Carrion Priests. Yeah, we've, we've, we've set a lot of games in New Heaven. I've, I've set two or three up there. Yeah, it's because it's an interesting open-air area. Mm, I love the place. I love the uh, the soundtrack for it on uh, on Tabletop Audio. It was, really it was gorgeous. It's got the sound of fluttering pr- prayer flags and cawing crows. And you get to have, and you get to describe the, the well. So, so we mentioned this in the Morticians, uh, where we have two rival death cults, um, and 
the the one which the one which came second is the is the eaters of the dead the carrion priests and we saw uh, this is a fairly famous picture of this African man with a hyena on a leash yeah and I've I've all, I always thought that was such an exciting image such such such, such like there's something really intriguing about that and then you saw a documentary yeah I saw a documentary where they they feed wild hyenas mm. from a bucket in the middle of town. Mm-hmm. And like that is so <coughs> dangerous. Yeah, just so Hyenas, dangerous. Um, yeah, they, they, they hunt as well as scavenge. Yeah, but they do it to preserve the souls of the dead. Yeah, and I and thought that was such a beautiful image, where it's like, from that, please, li- please eat the souls of the dead so they can go on. Yeah, and like, un- un- unless you eat the soul, uh, un- unless you eat a dead body, and like, I like to imagine that it's probably just like part of it, or maybe the whole thing. I don't know. I think it's um, only a very small piece. It goes bad, and then and then ghosts happen, mm. which also gives you like lots of opportunities to jam ghosts in there. Yeah, there's, oh, a, no, sorry, there's sorry, a very I, good spectral campaign. I'm entirely wrong. Sorry, the, the 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 fluff is written. If you aren't eaten within a week of dying, they say your ghost goes bad, and the smell attracts demons, mm-hmm. which gives you a good way to get hold of demons <laughs> and ghosts. And ghosts. In terms of in terms of inspirations for this, um, <clears throat> and I, I I don't want this I don't want this um, director's commentary to just be here's like, here's where I stole everything from, <laughs> but there, but there's but there's certainly like, it's certainly possible to draw inspirations from things. And there was a game called Over the Edge, written in '92, I think, by a young Robin D. Laws and Jonathan Tweet. And it was my, years ahead of its time in terms of doing story gaming mm-hmm. and like brisk storytelling, uh, narrative focused stuff. Very clever game. Uh, the setting was very weird. It was a, it was like a, a an island free of. Um, it was, it, it was, it was free of international police interference. So anything went there as long as the queen said it was okay. And one of the districts they had, uh, it was protected by uh, baboons. <laughs> there were there were swarms of baboons, some of whom had been uh, experimented on to make them uh, unusually intelligent, and that was the that was their that was their security. Swarms of nightmarish baboons, and if you've ever seen a baboon tear something apart, you can, you see, can see why. Yeah, and so and, and so I, I always thought like I never really played over the edge, but I, I liked the idea of these of, of wild packs of animals running down the streets, possibly led by someone. And the fact that New Heaven is like is this necropolis, is the city of the dead, and it's fairly sparsely populated due to the fact that one, it's outside. Uh, two, it's full of corpses, and three, there's um, <clears throat> you know superstitions around that. Yeah, I like the idea that it's one of the few places um, in Spire where there's this, just this much um, solitude. Yeah, it's like, one of the few the, places you, you can you can go on top of a building and actually be alone. You could walk for fifteen minutes and not meet anyone who wasn't a hyena. Which is his own problem, <laughs> and I, yeah, and uh, I think we had like we were talking how in in certain parts the entrances to all the uh, to, to all the buildings are set up higher than a hyena can jump. Yeah, and the final thing about New Heaven um, is the is the druidic chorus and the keepers of the hives. Yeah, which <clears throat> which I think developed into much more than it was. So it was it was it was kind of a um, it was kind of a throwaway mention. But I, but I think uh, Chris and I wanted to think about how druids would operate in a city. Yeah, the sort of urban druid didn't quite. No, mesh. It, well, it felt like everyone was playing an urban druid, you know. Yeah, like everyone's kind of a wizard and everyone's really urban, and so we wanted to think like like rather than taking druids and making them urban, we try and fit in the idea of of, of druidism to the city, and so we had the idea of window box druids. Yeah, where like where where they're, they're keeping they're keeping things tended, like they're 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 fighting. They're not fighting against the city in as much as they're trying to build on top of it. Yeah, and it also adds some nice uh, contrast to the bees at the bottom of the spire. <clears throat> yes, um, as we were discussing the idea that bees are structure, um, it's like our nature-based structure interests us, and this wasn't really much at all until Tim drew the map. And then he had a um, he had a the bee druids on one side, and the bird druids on the other side, and then arrows, and then a cease peck and a cease sting zone, and something like that for me. I was like, oh okay, oh I get it now. That's fun. 
and it had taken it out of being like like the, like these mysterious secretive cults to people who have burden bee wars on the streets. And again, both are canon. Um, ours is more canon. With all with all of this, we wanted religion to be a source of power. We yeah. wanted it to feed back into um, religion. Sorry, we wanted it to feed back into uh, magic and into power and into control and into in, into society. Because I, I think like we didn't start off trying to tell the story, but it, we ended up telling it. Yeah. About about control and about um, if about having technology in cyberpunk is is religion inspire or is magic inspire and if if, if you've got occultists who are sort of um, on the edge who are the hackers as it were and the cyberpunks then the religious characters uh, in inspire are more like they're authorized by the state in that yeah. respect yeah but there's also some elements of comfort there um, like the community virtue Oh, for sure. For the religion and the grand yeah. goo that comes out of that. And mm. just the fact that most characters are going to be religious in some fashion. Yeah, I, I, like that's that happened accidentally. Mm. We didn't sort of set out to make everyone really religious, but hey, we really like gods. And we really like talking about that. And I think the interesting thing about gods is what they give people license to do. Yeah, and what they say about that person based on, especially in something like Spire, or who yeah. they revere. Yeah, precisely. And so having that as a fundamental part of each character concept, aside from uh, Knight and the occult classes, really meant that that was that was that was that was hammered home. And I, I don't think we end up with a. I think the gods play fairly well together. Yeah, I've never seen anyone sort of. Do the, well, my god's better than your god sort of thing in a game of Spire, but maybe, maybe I just don't have dickish players, you know. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I've chosen well. Let's move on. Let's. The Spire Director's Commentary Podcast is a companion to the Spire RPG and features Grant Howitt and Chris Taylor. The music is by Arokia, hosted on freesound.org and used under the Creative Commons license. To learn more about Spire, explore related products, or buy your own copy, go to rowanrookanddeckard.com. <laughs>